In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. The NUR Collective was created by Sajda Ali as the CEO, Lena Canyon as the Chief Operations Officer, and Bianca Sergioan as Chief Creative Officer. The NUR Collective is an exclusive community of first-generation, high-impact, ambitious, and influential women that embody cultural and social diversity. Meet like-minded women with similar backgrounds and struggles as you. Use the resources, ask the questions, have the answers, and share the knowledge locally and across the nation. The NUR mission is to empower and bring light to a collective of first-generation trailblazers that embody cultural, spiritual, migrant, and social diversity. Today, we welcome the NUR Collective. Here with me today, Lina Canyon and Sajda Ali. Our mission with Underdog is basically to empower you through sharing our stories. So thank you so much, and let's get to it. I'm gonna introduce two very special guests here. Welcome, Sajda, welcome, Lina. Thank you again so much today for coming and being a part of this. So I would love an introduction of each of you and sort of everything you're about, all the beauty and everything. Tell me, tell me everything. I'm Sasha Ali. I am a director at my family company, which is a real estate development firm called Ali Corporation. I am currently doing my MBA with Lena as well at Boston University, and that's where we met. And I'm also the CEO and co-founder of the Nur Collective. Yes, and my name is Lena Canyon. I am a first-generation Colombian immigrant. I'm also first-generation college student and I'm pursuing my MBA. Um, that's how our love story started. Um, and I work in philanthropy currently, but have always had like a passion for community engagement, civic engagement, so I'm always doing something on the side. Um, so that's how we started the NUR Collective. Yeah. And an honorable mention is our other co-founder, <laughs> Bianca, who is not here yeah. today. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the NUR Collective, because I will say, I went to that launch party, so my friend Kima sent me a message, and he connected me with Bianca. And he said to me, he's like, you know what, uh, Pam, I think you'd really be interested, because you're a first-generation immigrant here and I think you know in business I just see a lot of cross collaboration I think you should check out this launch party and check out these fabulous ladies go if you can and see meet them you know and see what it's like and see what it's all about you know and for me I sort of understood it a little bit and then I got there and I was like blown away like that event was awesome the launch event so I know what it's all about. I love the energy and the spirit, but definitely tell me and tell the others that, who are sort of watching, what is the NUR Collective? What should we expect to see from the NUR Collective and sort of everything about it? I mean, I guess I can start with like the history of the NUR Collective. So yeah. um, when Bianca and I went to UMass Amherst together, and when we both graduated, she went to New York and started working in a startup. I went straight to my family company. And because we were both in business, we were struggling to find like a community of people who had the same struggles as us. Like, you know mm -hmm. how it is with women in real estate and mm -hmm. especially as a woman of color and stuff yeah. like that. Like it's a struggle to find a place to fit in and get some guidance or resources to progress. So for a while, I think me and Bianca 
um, connected a couple years later in New York, and we started talking about making a community because we couldn't find one for ourselves. So the idea of the Noor Collective came from the fact that Noor is a verb in Arabic called, that means light. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, we want to shine a light on this entire generation of initially women, that's what it was all about initially, um, that are going through the same struggles as we were. And it was a couple years of just talking about it and like nothing was happening until I met Lena in September um, and she came on board in what, October? Yeah. Yeah, and then since then it's just been rolling. And so then they meet me and we all get together and say, you know, we want to bring you on board. Like we really like the yeah. energy and the action oriented personality. And I was like, okay. Um, and we got together and then we started as we were sharing our stories of that commonality of being the first generation in all of these spaces, there were so many themes that came up for us, right? So mm -hmm. the theme of being the only one, of having working in a structure, regardless of what industry you're actually in, in an industry that has been set up by generation for generations under them, and us being the first one that didn't have that generation before mm -hmm. us to help us through it. Um, and so we started think, talking about it, and since we found that commonality, we decided to make it fully inclusive. We've had men that came up to us and said, this is really great, I wish we had this for men. Mm. They're like, we're just gonna make this a fully gender inclusive yeah. mm -hmm. um, while also honoring you know, everybody's identity. I think the thing that makes the NER Collective really unique is that it is truly a place to bring these intersections together. I mean, the United States is like so rich in diversity um, and we're all learning. Like I come from Colombia, but in is Indian and we're always like talking about our cultures, our religion, our language, yep. even the NUR, you know, I had no idea what NUR meant and I'm like, preach it everywhere I go. I'm like, <laughs> this is the light, you know? And we talk about shining a light on things, but also making sure that everyone's light is shining the brightest. Um, because I do think that sometimes when we talk about ideas, identity, we get lost and or put into a box. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so we talk about what is it that is inside of you that is a light that we can help shine the brightest. And yeah. so and it's also bringing a bunch of cultures together, right? It's like making it a learning environment where we're learning, still learning <laughs> about each other and like being comfortable to ask questions instead of just sitting back and just not even learning anything new just because you're too scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's intergenerational because, yeah. you know, when we come from immigrant backgrounds, we see the burden of our parents Mm -hmm. having a different first generation experience, our first generation experience, and then for the generation that's coming up under us, like how can we help them navigate yeah. this? Um, and it's also cross sector. I think that's the other thing that we have found that when we thought we were catering this to entrepreneurs, we realized entrepreneur is not a single handed you know, yeah. sector, it's, right. it's everything. It's mm -hmm. the activism, the entrepreneurship, the finance, all of it coming together to help us just progress faster mm -hmm. you know, and not operate in these si like silos of right. identity. Or and then creating access for others who don't have it yet too. Right. That's all it's all about. Absolutely. So what type of events and different projects are you working on now for the future? Because Nerd literally just launched. Oh, yeah. right. Like yeah. officially. So what's coming next? You know, what should we be excited for and how can others sort of get engaged with Nerd? A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> some that we can talk about, some, some that are pending. Confidential. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for sure we have some events that are coming up. So we, like you mentioned, the launch was so great. I think yes. that was our moment of validation. Yeah, sure. um, where we have all these great ideas and these things we're talking about that we can relate to. We're like, 
let's just put it out there and see if people show up. And I always tell someone, you know an event is successful when people show up and you have no idea who they are. Yeah. Yes. And, yep. and that happened that day. We had people of all ages, of all races, yep. of all economic status, mm -hmm. of all sectors just come together in an open, vulnerable way to share their experience, which is, you know, for some people, it's like, they don't want to talk about their personal experience the first time they meet. They, right, you know, right. it takes some time, but everywhere engaged and so we're definitely going to have some events in 2020 where we mm -hmm. continue to build that. Yeah, we also are launching our online community to build a community just for newer to have people come in to get these resources, give access to each other, help people out, things like that as well. And I feel there's a lot that's going on. There's just some things that we just can't mention at the moment, but yeah. Another thing that we're doing is sponsoring things. Yeah. So we are sponsoring a couple of projects. We're going to have a blog of just highlighting these yeah. experiences, nice. also the intersection of learning, but also sponsoring other women and their voices to be heard. So again, we can't really say much right now, but it's in the works and it's we're just so excited. Yeah, keep it's, it on yeah. the DL. So I'm gonna throw a question at you, which is the question that I was thrown at me when I went to your event <laughs> and I thought it was super cool. What does first generation mean to you? First generation to me means having more opportunities than what my immigrant parents had. They came to this country with maybe like $50 in their pocket, worked two, three jobs, did like 24 hours a day, and then built a massively successful company. And because of that, me and my sisters have amazing opportunities. We don't have to deal with too many financial problems. Like we have been able to thrive because of them. And yeah, so first generation to me means access. I think that when we came here, I was 10 years old um, and I started just absorbing all of the resources that were given to me. Um, and I realized that that made me become the point of access, not just for my immediate family, but for my family back home and also my community, um, whether they were first gen or not. And so for me, it's really opening this door to so many things that we didn't even know existed and being that point of knowledge. And then for our other co-founder, Bianca, you know, this is the question that we ask ourselves all the time. What does first generation mean? For her is being unapologetic, which really resonates with us as well, because it takes a long time to own who you are and show up as your full self. And first generation for her has meant that. Now, as we talk about first generation and journey, can you share with me sort of some of the struggles that you face th throughout the years, you know, because you just never know who's watching and what they're going through and how to sort of help them, guide them through that process, because it can be pretty ugly. I know myself, you know, being first generation, it was like, you know, my family was working all day, so I didn't have any guidance to go home and be like, hey, mom, what's this? you know, because they're working, you know? So it was like, for me, it's, I had to figure everything out yeah. from day one. And it was, it was a blessing and a curse at the same yeah. time. At the time, you're kind of like, you know, why do I have to face all of this mm -hmm. alone kind of thing? And then, you know, down, down the line, it sort of defined who, who I am. It made me assertive. It made me everything I am today. So I'm interested to hear your journey as sort of first generation and sort of everything you've been through personally. Um. I guess for me, like, if we go way back in the day, um, I was, am still a really big introvert. So even as a child, I like barely talked to people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would be very close to my mom. My dad was working 24 mm -hmm. hours a day. Like he was trying to launch a company, build up a yep. company for his family. Mm -hmm. um, so I would spend a lot of time just sitting close to my family. And because of that, it just kind of made me more ingrained of just hanging out by myself, not really putting myself out there. So I went to private school as, as a child, and then when I went to public school for high school, it was a huge struggle. Didn't know anyone, didn't know how to talk to anyone. It was a major culture shock because everyone I knew before was someone I grew up with. 
So anyone who was here, like, I didn't know how to fit in with them. So up until college, it was just a very major struggle of just being alone, trying to figure myself out and things like that. And when I went to college, that was the first time I really, really put myself out there in terms of making new friends, doing events, being on boards of like clubs and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't even in college, I think I struggled trying to understand what I wanted to do in life. So my major in college was social thought and political economy, which no one knows what it is. I was called the <laughs> gen ed major in college. People literally thought I just took gen ed the entire time. Right. But um, it really like helped me understand what society was about and what struggles really were and why people did things the way they did because of what happened over history that caused it that way. Um, but obviously my parents were a little worried about what was gonna happen. So they're like, why don't you just you know, join the family company, see if it works out for you. And so I, over the summer between my junior and senior year, I started working with my family company. It turned out I really liked it. Um, so I joined full-time as soon as I graduated, but there was still that struggle of trying to fit in, being the boss's daughter in the company. So people just assumed that like you got a free ride for everything. And it really wasn't that way. Like I had to start from the bottom up. Mm. My dad, I would honestly say he's probably gonna hate me for saying this. <laughs> I would say he's probably the hardest on me out of all of my sisters because yeah. I'm the one who has to like take over after him. So every single thing I do, he has to question, he pushes it. And like, obviously because we weren't close when I was growing up, we didn't have a relationship until much later. So we had to work on building a relationship as a boss and employee, as well as a father and daughter. Mm. Um, but that's why we, we like, I really wanted to reach out to a community where I can find people who are going through the same issues as I was because I couldn't find it with my father. He didn't know how to do it with me. Mm. My sisters couldn't relate because they were in different fields. Right. They had different experiences. Um, so yeah, that's really what the New York Collective really came out to be. And that's kind of like what was the pivoted point for me of finally putting myself out there. And I think, I shocked. I think I've mentioned this to you a couple of times. So before, people are like, I didn't ever expect you to do what you're doing today. They're like, <laughs> we, we, awesome. my mom straight up was just like, I didn't think you would have like, achieved anything. I said, <laughs> just hang out with the rest, like chill for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's funny because that, that collective and sharing these stories has made us see how many struggles we share. Yeah. Yes. Um, and a lot of them are so out of our control. Like some of them are, you know, systemic struggles that we're sharing. They look different, but they're all stemming from the same mm -hmm. root of living in a capitalist, patriarchal society, yeah. right? Like being the, the woman that's like stepping into the company and having all of these like privileges, but at the same time, like struggles. Yeah. Um, I think to Bianca's word of being unapologetic, I think my biggest struggle was finding that unapologetic in me. I think coming here as an immigrant, I am sure a lot of immigrants face it, is that assimilation and the romanticizing of assimilation mm -hmm. and then saying like assimilate into American culture and that is progress and that is success. Like get rid of your accent yeah. and that is good. Mm -hmm. um, reject your own culture. And I see we're seeing a different movement now of all of us really owning our identity. But when you're the only mm -hmm. one, yeah. you know, in a space filled with people that all look the same, have gone through the same things, all have generational yeah. wealth and right. generational power. And you're like this one little Latina being like, I think I can fit in here too. But assimilation um, was a huge struggle for me growing up, aside from, of course, the like struggles that we all share of, of like the system that we live in. Um, but finding that community, I think, is one thing that as we continue to struggle, because I think that struggle is not something you go through and then it ends. It's something right. that's continuous throughout yeah. your life. And it's like, whew, I went through it today, but then tomorrow is a whole different, you know, right. story. Um, I think one thing that has made us really, really appreciate what the collective is doing is finding that solidarity yes. and knowing that 
you're not alone. And like, even we are all struggling. Like we really all are in different levels um, and in different places. Like some of us physically, mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. systemically. Um, but at the end of the day, if we all have each other's back and we can talk about it and understand each other, like that's where progress yeah. comes from. And that's what we have found in each other, <laughs> but also in, in the collective. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're basically creating NUR. The NUR Collective is basically a platform that you wish you had. It's yes. like you created exactly. the place that you wanted for yourself, now for yeah, others. That's, that's really and that just idea was. pretty much magnified. Yeah. yeah. Times a thousand by now, and probably yeah. a million as we talk like a year from now. Yeah. yeah. And the, the reason why we also feel so sure that it will be a million mm -hmm. is because we are moving towards, like I said, you know, there's so much owning your identity, like, you know, defying all these systems that have separated us. But they continue to operate, operate in silos. So like I didn't grow up with any Latina empowerment, like right, you, you right, know, right. be your own Latina self. Right, right. But now I see so many and I'm like, this is great. Yeah. But even in that, there's no intersection to what does it mean to be yeah. with a peer like Sajda and be like, so do you want to some occasion? Like, do you want to, you know, and like, how do I even ask where yeah. you're from? Right, right, and right. what does that mean? And we still have these like struggles too until like last yeah. night we like, were having these struggles yeah. of, of talking about each other and like learning new things yeah. about each other. And I think even for me, like I grew up with people within the same religion. Like I only knew Muslims for as long as I was comfortable. Um, even culturally, like you still follow the same cultural norms. Right. Women aren't supposed to be entrepreneurs. Women aren't supposed to. Right. I mean, like as much as my parents promoted, most of the society wouldn't want that. Right? right. They wouldn't want you to be outspoken. They wouldn't want you to earn more than your potential husband. When are you going to get married? When is that going to happen? Yeah. Like your time is ticking, all of that. And that's all these society pressures are on top of you. And it's finding, a, it's building this community of helping you get through that, really. And it's like, I individually can't relate to that particular struggle, yeah. right? Like no one's telling me I have a time clock of yeah. right. But I am also facing parental pressures of like, well, we came to this country, you're supposed to be a doctor, make us all houses, mm -hmm. where's right. our houses? Yeah. Right, right, and right, so right, in right. that we share yeah. this and I think, we, we are so polarized and meant to think that our identities are supposed to make us, you know, like operate like this when really we should be learning about each other and our identity. So even yesterday when we were talking, I was like, how long is Ramadan? Like, you know, tell me more right, about right, this. Right. And, yeah. and having, I think the other things like that trust and comfort that we are a learning community. We're creating a learning community and you can get it wrong and you can get it right. And it doesn't say anything about you except that you want to learn. Yeah, it's just having that here understanding that you're here to learn more than anything. It doesn't matter if you get it right, wrong, if you ask the wrong questions or anything like that, or you assume the wrong things. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want to learn, and that's what matters. And even if it offends, <laughs> like even if it offends, like yeah. having that trust that like yeah. you'll check me and tell right, me that right. it offended and we can sit in that discomfort together mm -hmm. right. and be like, I'm so sorry, that was so awkward. And right, you can right. be like, yeah, that was really hurtful. And how do we move on and right. continue? Cause we, exactly. yeah, we gotta keep it moving. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're here for. <laughs> um, so Sajda, tell me, because in your father's company, it's a real estate development company, which is very male driven. And this strokes my chords very closely because I am also a real estate developer and I'm in that space of commercial real estate and everything. How has it been for you sort of stepping into that world? Because I feel like as first gen, not only are we breaking the molds of our own cultures, yeah. but this culture too. So you're facing it like 
twice, you know? So breaking into that, like how, what's that sort of Not gonna like? lie, it was really, really hard in the beginning. When I came into my parents' company, there was a lot of passive aggressive backlash from the employees and other people that just mm. assumed that I would get like a free ride, nepotism obviously bothers a lot of people and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, it was really just persevering and pushing through and keeping faith that like, you got this, this is what you're gonna do, this is my career, this is my company at the end of the day, this is my family's company. And it's not just what's gonna happen with my future, it's what's gonna happen with my sister's future, right? So it matters, it mattered more to me that I had the responsibility of their futures as well besides mine to make this work. So, I mean, construction sites, obviously, like you, you know how it is on construction sites, but you push through, like yeah. uh, at some point you work hard enough that those people start to respect you mm -hmm. and they come to you for their, your opinion, for your permission, like things like that. And it takes time. Right. And I think that's why I should have learned a long time ago is that things don't happen like in a snap. Things take time. You have to build the relationships and go from there. But yeah. Because I relate that to that very closely because coming here, I was five years old when I came from Albania. And, you know, I went in and pretty much I moved to Boston and then we moved to Chelsea. And I remember just being different and feeling different. And like, I just didn't like, like I, I remember I really didn't like my hair. Like I would try to straighten it every chance that I could and like try to do away with wherever it was that I came from and try to blend in and fit in. And I remember that was like that up until like college. To be honest, like I really wasn't comfortable with like my physical self until around that point in time. And, it, and I think that it's sort of embedded in you and you don't even really know it. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't want this part. Like, why can't my hair just be straight like everyone else? You know, it's like you try to void out these pieces of you, you know, so what's your experience been like in, in that and sort of, you know, growing up and it's, it's wild because my mom is like such a strong, like persevering woman uh, that she like, I never from her got that I should be ashamed of who I am. So I was like very proud of who I was, but also very proud of how I was assimilating and, and embracing that within myself. It wasn't into honestly, because I too grew up, like I went to high school, we moved to Framingham, which is really diverse. And then we moved to Westboro when I was like, like a handful, you know, I can count in my hand how many diverse people were uh, in that school and in my graduating class. And in that success was, Assimilation, as we were sort of talking about, Lena, so what's your experience been like in, in that realm? So at first, when we moved here, I saw it as a way to just succeed and, and kind of survive in the environment that I was in. I was like, I could count in my hand how many people looked like me or shared my experience in the town where I lived. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is realizing that it's not me because my mom was always she loves herself like she you know she's a full <laughs> colombian woman that shows up as her full self it. like yeah. she would show up in heels and full makeup to my like parent teacher conference and be like mom and it's such a <laughs> colombian down. thing um and for so long i rejected that right like i would be like mom tone it down like t you know and i think when you're growing up you don't know these things until you're getting older and it wasn't until i went to college at suffolk that's really diverse that i was like oh she's showing up as herself. Oh, she's speaking Spanish out in the street. Like, why have I for so long been rejecting my own identity and my own culture and who I am and I should be embracing it? Um, and so that's when that shift happened and I started to embrace it and I realized that it's two things. It's one, questioning, like, who created this rules and why? Like, why is it that me 
not having an accent makes me more acceptable or I don't even know the right word, but like more appealing to talk to or, or more digestible, I guess. And I think that as women too, you know, there's so many things in this world that as women are telling us how we should be to be accepted in certain places and really learning like to question who made that rule up. Like, mm-hmm. like why do I have to shave? Who says who? Who created that? Who, you know, and like just at least the questioning of these very small things that make you. And then to your point, the other one's like really learning that I love me, you know, Mm -hmm. like I love me and I am learning and I have to be kind to me too. And, and assimilation makes you rejects that like assimilation makes you question whether you are worthy or whether you're valuable as you are. And I think that that's something that I'm still learning every day. Like I still go through, you know, as like, I'm only 20, I'm turning 29 and I'm just entering what I think is like adulthood and womanhood as a full. And I'm like, how do I embrace this fully in honoring myself and not what people have told me I should be? So yeah, that defiance is the Yeah, I think it's more like trying to make other people around you more comfortable just so that they're not uncomfortable with how you are. And at the end of the day, you just have to be comfortable with how you are, who you are, things like that. And being different too. Like that's the struggle, like being different for me, like for so long I tried to conform and you're kind of like, I just want to, you know, just do this and just kind of be in the corner, do my own thing and not really. And then I realized like, you know, everyone's built to stand out in their own way. Yes. Everyone has that light. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you can't prohibit that, you know, in any, in any way. And like, so I just, I love everything that you ladies are saying. It's like, as you speak, I'm like, praise (laughs) because I, I almost can feel it. It's crazy because we're all from different cultures completely, but yet we share the same struggles growing up, which is absolutely fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, that's what we were talking about within your collective, is that you're bringing these cultures together because you have the same uh, oppressor. Right. right. That's what yeah. we're saying. And you're made, you know, I think the other things like the political climate yeah. and the like being different or foreign or other than therefore means less than. And that's one thing that we have truly started to see like, says who, you know, says somebody who maybe hasn't exposed themselves to differences and like white is, you know, I think in Colombia in particular, like being blonde and blue eyed is like the thing that everyone achieves. And it's like, how am I ever going to become blonde and blue eyed? Like I'm not, and and I'm beautiful and I'm talented and I have a lot to give and I have a light that I want to shine. And how do we do that? Mm -hmm. And how do we do that for you and for you and for me so that we're collectively doing this is so powerful. And I think that that's the other thing. There's so much power in that, um, that, you know, the systems that be are like, oh no, 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 <laughs> right. hold on, tone it down, right. you know? And right. they, they're the ones who control that too, which is crazy because we, at the end of the day, for us to like live and progress and shine and be our best selves for ourselves and our next generation, we need to truly sit in, in the power that we have. What has been the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what is your advice to anyone who's watching? These are powerful words. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to to hear that. Um, So one of my mentors actually, with with being who I am, you know, comes imposter syndrome. Mm. And I was once applying to something and I was like going through all the what ifs, like what if this happens, what if this happens? And my mentor was like, there are so many obstacles working against you already. Mm-hmm. Don't be your own obstacle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Phew. and that has stuck mm-hmm. with me a lot every time that I want to do something. And I have that hesitation of like, 
what if, and I just say like, I will not be my own obstacle. Like I'm just gonna do it. Um, so that was the best advice I've ever gotten because it's still relevant, right. yeah. you know, it's, right. it's so many years later. Um, and then the one advice that I would give is, I think all of us, because the world is so big and technology has us so connected and it's so overwhelming, may feel like our voice does not matter or it's not as important when put in this, um, in that scheme or in, the, in, in that context. But the reality is that every body matters. Everything that you are doing matters. Every action that you create has a ripple effect. Um, and that would be my advice, like that hold yourself to the standard of like every single thing that you do is just as powerful as the person with the platform, the person with the mm -hmm. followers, the person with, you know, it, it is all of equal value. Um, and that will really change the way that you do things. Yeah. I guess my advice that I've, the best advice I've gotten was from my parents about the only way you'll get anywhere is by yourself. Regardless of where you come from, what you've been given, you're the only one who can get you through your obstacles. You're the only one that can achieve what you can and you're your own person. And at the end of the day, regardless of who's there around you, they may be there today, they may not be there tomorrow. So you have to depend on yourself. And the advice I would give someone else is, I think this is very underrated, but to just push through, keep that perseverance, don't give up because at the end of the day, I think everything always works out. Just keep going, that's about it. I love it. Thank you ladies so much. So for everyone who's watching, can you share how anyone can reach you, the NERD Collective, different social media, website, things like that? Yeah, so our website for the Neuro Collective is theneurocollective.com. Um, That's N-U-R. Those of you that don't know. <laughs> um, but also our Instagrams, our Instagram for the Neuro Collective is entrepreneur, but it's entrepreneur.nor. Um, you'll find that off the website as well. And then we have our personal Instagrams as well, such as Aliyah Gmail, as well as on Instagram. And I'm Lena Maria 327. That's my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> thank you ladies so much for coming and sharing your story today. It was extremely powerful and I know this conversation will continue and it'll continue to evolve. So I'm so excited for the future and thank you again. Thank you, you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. And so sign up for our wait list on our email to stay in Yay. touch with yeah. all of the events that we have coming up. Love it. Thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.